This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan and the Midwest, we're delighted to once again welcome to this program an extraordinary leader, Governor Phil Bryant, a distinguished guest host of America's Roundtable. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. And before becoming the state's chief executive, Phil Bryant was lieutenant governor, state auditor, and representative his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives for five years. And as governor, the Honorable Phil Bryant led Mississippi in implementing transformational public educational reforms, promoting economic development, advancing strategic trade missions, and building a competitive business climate that attracted major employees like Yokohama Tire Corporation and Continental Tire. And Governor Bryant serves on the Executive Advisory Board of International Leaders Summit, a distinguished guest host of America's Roundtable and is spearheading initiatives at Brian Sanji Snell Global Partners, where he provides strategic advice and counsel and business development services to some of the world's largest industry leaders. We extend to Governor Bryant a special welcome. Welcome, Governor Phil Bryant. Welcome, Governor Bryant. Oh, Joel, it's so good to be back with you and Natasha and Happy New Year. Uh, we pray that there is some happiness <laughs> in this new year and in our, uh, all of our futures collectively and individually. Indeed. A happy new year to you, happy sir. Happy new year. In your distinguished career, Governor, you have served in law enforcement, the private sector, a legislator, as chief executive of a state government, and also a professor of government at Mississippi College. On the American educational landscape, we face a number of challenges, including the concerns raised by many parents and leaders. In an article posted by Forbes on April 24, 2020, titled Why Kids Know Even Less About History Now and Why It Matters, it relays the somber statistics. I quote, Scores in history and geography have declined from five years ago. Those in civics are flat. Only 15% of 8th graders score proficient or above in U.S. history, along with about a quarter in civics and geography. Also, in reading and math, by contrast, about 35% of 4th and 8th graders clear that bar, with the only exception being 4th grade math, where the proportion rises to 40%, unquote. Governor Bryant, you were appointed by President Donald J. Trump as part of the leadership of the 1776 Commission. Could you kindly share with our listeners the goals and what the 1776 Commission hopes to accomplish in the days to come? 
Certainly, and, and of course, we're thankful to the president who again had the foresight with an executive order of 1358 um, to realize the failure that was occurring, not only, as you said, uh, the lack of real civic instructions and teaching of history uh, in, in our middle schools and high schools, but, but the complete change of reality that occurred in America's history that takes place at most of our universities. So not, not only was there a lack of it, but if you saw, for example, in the 1619 project, and it's one of the reasons that President Trump created the 1776 commission was to balance the rhetoric, to balance the momentum that the 1696 project had that was sponsored by the New York Times, uh, the New York Magazine, um, and leading liberals, uh, including Kamala Harris, who praised the 1619 project as powerful, necessary reckoning of history. Let me tell you what it says. It says, uh, and I quote from the 1619 project, one of the primary reasons the colonists decided to declare their independence from Britain was because they wanted to protect the institution of slavery. Now think about that for a moment. This was not, uh, according to the 1696 liberal agenda, which was going to be taught and is being taught in places like New York and California and other blue states, teaching that every founding father was a white supremacist, and that the very reason that the Declaration of Independence was issued and later the Constitution was to protect slavery. Now, any number of historians have stepped forward and said that is just simply inaccurate. Uh, great historian uh, Sean Wiltser, uh, Sean said, no effort to educate the public in order to advance social justice can afford to dispense this with respect, without respect for the basic facts. So here we are, redefining history, declaring in, in, by the publishers of the New York Times that uh, all were white supremacists, and in fact, they also claim Abraham Lincoln was a white supremacist. And so we have to do away with all of the concepts of the founding fathers and the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, the purposes of this nation, uh, and adopt this radical uh, social justice program. So the president said, I must balance this. I must get the truth out to uh, the young students across America and, and to the those individuals that have graduated from a liberal college, they are now suspect or know very little about the founding uh, of this great nation in 1776. Uh, but it, it, it also the commission is, according to our charge, to enable a rising generation. The generation now in school are the ones that have graduated now and that are coming onto the scene in America, that rising generation, to understand the history and principles of the founding of the United States and to strive to form a more perfect union. That is simply the charge of the 1776 Commission, not to be white supremacists, not to say that they're one group that is superior to another, but actually using facts, historical documents, and hundreds if not thousands of references to prove that 1776 commission's positions are wrong and inaccurate, and in fact, they're uh, certainly imperfect human beings 
that were there in 1776, but their goals were perfection. Governor Bryant, in our everyday life, we are exercising our natural rights that are coming from God, our inalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. For us, Americans, these rights are anchored in the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights, and our rights must be protected by the government. Every day we're using our First Amendment, which is enshrined in the Bill of Rights. We were able to freely express our opinions in public and through social media. We were able to read the accurate news and information from the independent and free media outlets. Whenever we go to church, get together in public places or protest peacefully, we are exercising our First Amendment. Our rights to free speech, press, religion, assembly, and petition of the government must be protected by the government. Governor Bryant, at this stage, the U.S. government is failing to protect our First Amendment. Why are we drifting away from the government of, by, and for the people? I think it has been a collective movement uh, by what the new left, and there's always a new left and a new right, but the new purpose of the left is just that. First, you have to lower the educational standards, remove any history that would give us a, a, a common goal in America of forming a more perfect nation on a daily basis. You have to remove from those students the understanding that they are the sovereigns. They will be the sovereigns when they become adults and taxpayers. You know, the Founding Fathers did this remarkable thing as well as so much, and I believe it was, it was divine uh, leadership uh, on their part. But they inverted the pyramid of power. So they're the rights of kings that sit at the point most governments before that time had been run by some king, by some pharaoh, by some emperor. And the Founding Fathers turned it upside down. They inverted it, and they said the leadership is here at the base, and we are only leaders by the consent of the governed. And all of the rest of that great pyramid sitting atop of that are we, the people. Now, this new order of the left says there's no fun in that. There's no power in that. My goodness, if we have to consent to the rabble, all of those people across America that aren't as smart as us, that haven't had the experience that we have, that don't sit in an important chair in Washington, if we are to, to be managed by the consent of the governed, while well, we won't be able to push forth our very liberal agenda. You know, most Americans believe in your Second Amendment right. They certainly believe in your First Amendment right of freedom of speech and freedom of religion and freedom of the press. So now the new left has to say, the new progressives have to say, we want those powers. We want to determine if you can speak and what you can speak about and how you can go on social media and deliver a particular message. So we're going to remove that from the President of the United States and other conservatives, and we will wait and see what the response of the governed are. Well, a shrug of the shoulders. And so they move step by step, removing those civil liberties that we have as Americans. When we talk about the consent of the governed, the consent of the governed requires free, honest, and fair elections so that we give the consent to our representatives in free and fair elections. So how do we go from here with the latest experience with the elections that most of us did not perceive as being free and fair? 
Oh, I, I understand completely, but let's just set that aside. Let's just say, uh, all right, again, as we as conservatives have given ground and given ground and given up our rights, given up our civil liberties. So let's just say one more time, all right, you won. The Democrats won the presidency, the vice presidency, no matter how it got there. So let's just say, well, we're going to have a peaceful transfer of power. We're good Americans. And even though well, there is there is plenty of evidence to indicate there was tampering with uh, the mail-in ballots. That, that I think there's no one that can argue that the governors who said we're going to allow these mail-in ballots without checks and balances, without determining exactly how they come in and when they come in and who's voting, and, and they went past their legislature. So that's that, that's clear violation of their state and federal laws. But let's set that aside. But what's happened since then is we have seen the House of Representatives. So we say, okay, we won't fight anymore. We'll let you have the election. The House of Representatives goes and again impeaches the President of the United States without any evidence. They take away his right to face his accusers. They take away his right for a a fair and equal criminal justice system. House of Representatives is not a, a trial by a jury of your peers. It's a trial for political expediency by the Democrats. So they took away habeas corpus. They said, we're not going to let you bring in witnesses. We're not going to bring in physical evidence to show that you did not. The fact that people were marching on the Capitol before the president of the United States ever took to the podium. We don't care that you said, let's walk to the Capitol peacefully. And we don't care that uh, crowds have been burning cities. Riotous crowds have been burning cities all summer. Not only did they say, well, who's responsible for the burning of a federal courthouse or the threatening of law enforcement? Kamala Harris said, I'm going to organize an effort to bail out anyone that gets arrested. Anyone that gets arrested for burning a building, threatening a police officer, committing any kind of crime against this country, against these cities, we're going to make sure that they're released. So the, the House of Representatives and the Speaker of the House said none of that matters. Pay no attention to that. In fact, it doesn't even exist. We're going to call on our friends in the media, so back to a free press. Freedom of the press was so important to the Founding Fathers that they put it into the Bill of Rights because they thought, what, that the government one day would take over the press. They had no idea about social media, but they had seen um, the Federalist, anti-Federalist newspapers take one side or the other and compete and trying to destroy Thomas Jefferson and others. Now, Alexander Hamilton was on the other side from Jefferson, so there was this war utilizing newspapers just as social media. But now there is no freedom of the press. We as Republicans have no freedom of the press. We have no one that's going to write the facts for Donald J. Trump. If they do, they're suppressed. If they do, their businesses are attacked. I can only imagine when the Democrats now have power of the IRS, when they have power of the Department of Justice, when they have power of every federal prosecuting attorney across America, then what would happen? Well, we will be treated as the House of Representatives treated the President of the United States. Facts won't matter. 
we won't be able to uh, to use any of the court systems in a fair and equitable manner. Uh, the media will join in with their Democratic uh, bosses and, and attack and say it's right that that individual was arrested and removed, why he had military-type weapons. Uh, and so we have to remove him from society to protect you to protect those that are in society. So listen to us. Listen to the media. This is the right thing to do. He did not need a fair trial. We took him before a jury that was made of all uh, Democrats who voted for uh, Joe Biden, who hated Donald Trump. So he was convicted in a short, brief trial and sentenced, and you'll never hear from him again. And so let us continue to believe what we in government can do for you, and you need to concede your rights, uh, and you need to concede that the Founding Fathers had no rights from the nature's God to allow you to have those rights. You have no right or ability to know what's best for you, and you will see that occurring time and time again. So even if there is election of such consequences as this one, and irregularities take place, media tells you not only did you not see that happen, not only did it not happen, but you're a evil individual, a white supremacist, for even suggesting that it took place. I fear for what's happening for the businessmen and women across America that supported the president. Their businesses will be destroyed. Their families will be attacked. Um, the same technique that was used against Donald Trump and his family will be used against all of us. I saw it as a young child in the civil rights movement where African Americans' rights in a criminal justice system were taken away, where their rights in the economy were taken away, where they, their rights to have a drink of water was separated and taken away, where they could stay, where they could eat. That's what you will now see as a, will occur uh, in America in the next four years, I fear, and I pray that I am wrong. Indeed, Governor Bryant, on the 1776 Commission on Promoting Patriotic Education, uh, President Donald J. Trump, yourself, are uh, working uh, to enable America's rising generations to better understand the history and principles of our nation's founding. And we reflect on Dr. David Barton, a historian and lecturer who has often reminded our fellow Americans about the purpose of our founding fathers and the Declaration of Independence. And today, when we think about America's independence, we often talk about the economic issue, which uh, Dr. Barton talks about is a more for a parochial focus on taxation without representation, rather than the broader issues that were of great concern to the founding fathers. Uh, Dr. Barton also states that the abuse of representative powers was mentioned 11 times in the Declaration of Independence, the abuse of military powers some seven times, abuse of judicial powers some four times, the number 17 out of 27 was taxation without representation. And our founding fathers stood for religious liberty. They did not want to have a state-ordained religion from Britain, uh, since many of them were fleeing Britain 
and continental Europe as persecuted Christian groups. We see how the left over the years, over the decades, has moved away the focus of what our founding fathers fought for uh, to switch it and to revise history and why why it is so important to have a 1776 commission. Uh, Governor Bryant, what can state uh, leaders, uh, elected officials, parents, the 2.5 million homeschool movement of students with 1 million parents, what can they do to support and affirm this important 1776 commission? Well, the first thing is governors, uh, secretaries of education, attorney generals, anyone that still has a voice that can be heard in the public square must step forward and say, you've got to understand that the principles of the founding fathers continue to exist today. An attorney general must step forward and said, this individual has the right uh, of protection of his property and in his home. And so, uh, and of habeas corpus to make sure that he has a right to a fair trial by a jury of his peers. You see how they need to go out and speak that in their bully pulpit every time. Governors need to have agendas that say in our public schools, private school, individual schools, we will teach American government. We will use the standards of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution. We will use the known documents, not something written by an author that they they may agree with. I mean, there are wonderful authors that have written remarkable books. George Washington is said has some 900 books. 900 books have been written about George Washington, the founding father, some 6,000 scholarly articles. I've been uh, reading a, a remarkable book is written in 1958 on George Washington. And again, just to remember the greatness of this man, the struggle that he went through, how he did not want to be president, and how, and as he was saying goodbye to his troops in 1783, he said that he would go home uh, to Mount Vernon and live a quiet life uh, of agricultural and farming. That's all he wanted to do. He brought back in uh, to be the first president of the United States, and later in, in his latter years, attacked by the anti-federalist press. And this great man was called all sorts of names. So, but that's part of the learning process. It's part of understanding who George Washington was, and you won't learn it if the books that describe the lives of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington are slowly removed from libraries, if they're slowly taken from social media. So governors have to say, we are going to have an agenda uh, on the founding of America within our middle schools, within our high schools, hopefully within our universities, so that most universities are run by boards of very liberal commissioners. I don't know how we ever get back there, but we've got to use every voice, your radio show, every voice that we have to remind people the founding fathers' principles, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to form a more perfect union, and how many lives that's cost over the years. And how Abraham Lincoln, with a nation, was separated against itself. Hundreds of thousands of lives were placed upon the altar of freedom so that African Americans might be free. Should we take away those sacrifices? Should that be removed? Should, uh, should the Lincoln, who sacrificed his very life for the preservation of the Union, 
should somehow now we say that because the writers at the New York Times say, oh, yes, but he was a white supremacist because he said, if I could save the Union without freeing a slave, I may consider that. But he knew that would not take place. So they take just one little statement, one sentence out of Lincoln's speech or a letter and say, oh, look, even Lincoln was a white supremacist. We must use our educational system again to teach the facts and circumstances, admitting rightfully so these were imperfect human beings, but what they wrote, their desires, the outcomes were perfection for a republic, a republic that has lasted now over 200 years, and we pray continues uh, to last as a shining city on a hill. Indeed, Governor Bryant, we truly appreciate your leadership on the 1776 Commission, and uh, we trust that you would receive support from all the key corners from various parts of our country, from state governments, uh, governors, and uh, legislators. And it just reminds us of that wonderful statement from Daniel Webster, who said, I quote, history is God's providence in human affairs, unquote, as you talked about how divine providence truly made an impact in our country. And in reflecting on the Old Testament of the Hebrew text in Job 8.8, it says, ask the former generations and find out what their fathers learned, unquote. And we truly appreciate all that you are doing to make sure that we remember from our fathers what their former generations had learned. Again, God's nature. These natural laws were based on God's nature, and it was written about George Washington that his actions were in fact a miracle made actual the beliefs that free men could be governed in a free society and that they would be the sovereigns and that their leaders would be the servants. That's why we were called public servants, because in fact we were serving Almighty God and we were serving the sovereigns, the people of this great country. It was a miracle made actual. And as we reflect on the leadership of Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King said, when the architects of our republic wrote these magnificent words, they were signing a promissory note of which every American will fall heir. The note of a promise of all men, black and white, would be guaranteed in these unalienable rights of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So said Dr. Martin Luther King. Amen. Thank you so much indeed for your leadership, Governor Bryant. Thank you, Governor Bryant. Well, thank you all. Thank you all. Let us endeavor to persevere. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.